I'm Jason Barkley, and this is Precision Massage and Healing's podcast, Healing Nation, episode two. In this episode, we're going to talk more about stress. But don't worry, it's not going to be stressful. It's going to be more inspiring uh, because you're going to learn what's been holding you back. Uh, the first thing to understand about stress, and more specifically the stress response system, or also called the fight or flight system, is that we have to see it as a flaw in the design. Uh, and before I get into why it's a flaw in the design, there's a lot of beliefs that out there that everything that happens in the world is part of the master plan or part of the design. But for that belief, I'd like to share a story that everyone out there knows, where there's a person drowning in a boat in the ocean, and they say, God, please help me, I'm drowning. And a different boat comes by and says, hey, you want to come aboard? And they said, no, 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 God will save me. And they go, okay, they leave. And this happens two more times. And that third boat leaves, and the person's drowning, and he says, God, why didn't you help me? And God says, dude, I sent you three boats. And, you know, whether or not you believe in God or not is not the point of this podcast, but for anyone out there who believes that God wants them to be, to be in pain, that God wants them to suffer, that God wants them to catch a disease, that God wants this and that, we have to be willing to accept responsibility to a degree for our conditions in life, for our pain, for whether or not we get a disease, for whether or not um, we're becoming angrier and angrier. And sure, we can blame the other side of the aisle and so on and so forth. But we have to, at the same time, be willing to look for deeper meanings and reasons, including um, levels of responsibility. And I know, and I'm not I don't want anyone out there to feel called out or anything because most of us spend so much time kicking our own butts that we simply have no more room left for uh, self-consideration, if you will. And, but the good news is that there is something else that we can blame for our own pain, for the weight that we've been gaining, for inability to stick to different programs, goals and dreams, why most of us are becoming more and more fed up with work, why a lot of us are having a harder and harder time holding a job or relationship and so on. There's something that we can blame. And we have to be willing to see this as a flaw in the design for that reason. Or something that was placed in our way as a challenge for us to learn to understand and overcome. Because as long as we believe this thing is meant to be, as long as we believe that we're meant to be in pain, angry, and miserable, then there's no hope to overcome it. So we have to be willing to take that metaphorical boat. That we have to be willing to take some some responsibility. And don't worry, we don't have to take too much of it because that's painful medicine. Um, when we can blame this system. And... Basically, the system was designed to help the animal kingdom at large overcome times of danger. And it was known as the fight or flight stress response system, which is kind of a cool system in design because, 
you know, the maker or the architect or uh, what have you, or just biology's, you know, whatever it is. That's not the point of this podcast. But it knew there would be times of strife, of danger. And the job of the system was when, let's say, back in the Stone Ages or even way before that, when we'd find ourselves facing a saber-toothed tiger, it would send amazing amounts of blood and energy to our extremities so that we could fight this thing and have a chance to overcome it like Rocky or run from it like mad, like a super-powered Steve Urkel. That's what the system did. It, and that was its only purpose. The problem is that this system required so much energy that it would have to shut down everything else, including digestion, memory, healing, our ability to enjoy the small things, be tolerant, patient, so on and so forth. When you're facing the tiger, you don't need to be able to think. You don't need to be able to communicate it. You just need to be able to beat that thing, knock it to the ground, or just run. When you're facing a tiger, you don't need to be able to enjoy the small things. You don't need to be able to love. You don't need to be able to... All of these things that modern society depends on for its very survival, it's not necessary when in the eyes of fight or flight. And unfortunately, more often than not, when the system turns on, we'll lock up and freeze. It's going to try and help both our flexors and extensors fire in preparation for whichever way we need to run. But more often than not, that leads to us locking up. You know, in martial arts, the number one reason people get hit is not because they did the wrong martial art or the wrong block, but because they did nothing. To that point, I was once teaching a martial arts class um, and I told them all, okay, I told them all the story and I, and I was like, all right, now everyone just pick a motion, random motion. And they're like, okay. And I said, good. Now I'm going to try to punch each of you in the face as fast as I can. And you have to do that move that you just did before how you knew I was going to attack you. And they were like, man, this sucks. I hate this class. Uh, but they all dodged. They all got out of the way. Just like how in life we can be so afraid of doing something wrong or making a mistake that we end up doing nothing. And that's where the real damage lies. Um, as an odd statistic, on average, we have a higher chance of uh, receiving a minor injury, cramp or sore, from sleeping in the comforts of our own beds than we have, on average, playing in a football match. Um, largely that's because most of us don't know how to sleep and I recommend everyone um, searches uh, chiropractic recommended sleeping positions. Uh, it turns out that sleep itself is not necessarily healing, it's just sleep. And if our body thinks there's a tiger nearby trying to kill us, it's not going to be very fulfilling. So anything that we could possibly want to do uh, is not going to be helped very much by fight or flight. And unfortunately, an instance of fight or flight can last for up to 72 hours because back in the day, that's roughly how long prey may, uh, would stalk its game for, roughly. Uh, and now today, anything ignites fight or flight mode, worrying about groceries, casually worrying about a loved one. Um, and to see it in play 
imagine that you're talking with a loved one and things have been a little rocky. You're wondering if you have a future. You're wondering if the time that you've spent up until now has all been wasted. And with every passing day, the amount of negativity is just greater than the amount of love. And you begin to feel that that relationship itself is hopeless. And each of you are feeling this, but we're just going to cover one side. Um, but you, you feel like if only I had a little more power, if only I had a little more oomph, then and only then would they understand me. Then they, they would realize I'm coming from a place of love and not anger. But then as that, that moment is us actually calling for fight or flight mode to give us that power, that oomph. But as it turns on, our cognitive ability turns off, our memory turns off. Um, comically, when a wife is like, hey, why do you always leave the toilet seat up? We'll lose the ability to remember the times that we had. Our body just isn't... Our, our body just isn't going to let our memory work against us in a moment where it, that it considers to be war, just because of light stress. And it makes us more aggressive, it makes us more hostile, it makes us... Um, it demands us to worry about our own preservation, our own survival, including the survival of our image, which then makes us more prone to blame others for things that we may very well have done ourselves. Um, and then as this fight or flight turns on into this um, example, it just turns into a bitter fight. Um, it's, it's not helpful. And, he's, and a lot of people, some scientists, well, many scientists that are not fighters, let me point out, say the one time that fight or flight is helpful isn't a fight. But like, as we've discussed, it locks up, it's more likely to lock up your muscles and it tends to make us laser focus onto one topic or point in the case of a fight with unhealthy amounts of focus where you're more likely to get hit by a counterattack um, or with a loved one or in a debate or in just in conversation or in life fight or flight is the thing that will make us focus more and more and more on our fears, real or imagined, and less and less on the positive sides of ourselves, of our relationships, and God forbid, the other side of the aisle. Um, and that's why I say it's not our fault that we are becoming more unhealthy as a race, why we haven't been able to achieve our physical or mental goals while we, and why we've becoming more and more divisive over time. It's because of the fight or flight response system, because most of us are chronically stressed and most of us suffer more than one instance every 72 hours. And with chronic fight or flight, we therefore would become less and less intelligent over time, more and more angry, more and more hostile, and more and more ferocious of how quickly we'll point the finger across the aisle to others, to our friends, to our loved ones, and God forbid to ourselves. Part of the reason for that is that part of fight or flight mode is that it turns on what I call a painful self-preservation system that tries to help us look out for problems to our survival to the future, including things that it believes that we're doing wrong. 
And remember, fight or flight is a Pac-Man intelligent level system. So what it decides are the reasons or problems for things rarely are, or at best a half-truth. But it'll make us focus everything we got onto that one point as if it's the only thing that's true or the only thing that matters. Making conversation impossible between lovers, between friends, and dear God and nation. Um, like I truly believe before any debate out there, each side should have to get like a massage or something. Like, I don't know, like chill out. Um, but that's what fight or flight does. So we have to begin to realize that stress is not so much our reaction to things that we find stressful, but the thing that more often than not is leading up to them. Um, you know, and in our other videos, we talk about mistakes that Democrats have made from a place of good intention, but because it was from a place of fear and stress, ended up becoming the greatest fuel of its time for the other side. Um, and it's not important for the purpose of this podcast to understand what those were, but just to get the idea that stress itself is the very thing that's turning our own good intentions into cautionary tales, that makes us stumble up on our speech, on our branding, on our communication, that makes those that we want to reach and communicate with, including ourselves, tough. And again, with this painful self-preservation, it's, it's a nasty monster. Nasty. Um, I like to say it sounds like Mrs. Doubtfire, that's kind of like, hello, you suck. Um, and men will tend to worry more about their image, their legacy, their hairline. And women will tend to worry more about um, their physical image, um, genetics-wise, mateability, how much they weigh, how they look. Um, they don't think of it in those terms, but that's just generally, from my experience, what it seems to be that women will tend to stress over more about, and we'll all stress about, um, you know, political situations or fam friends and family, loved ones, and so on. But the way we beat ourselves up tends to more often than not take those voices, um, which is kind of unfortunate because at any given moment, we're generating new cells at such a fast rate that every seven years, we practically have a brand new body. But as all of these billions and billions of cells are coming off of the factory line and saying, okay, I'm ready for work, we're, we're telling them, all right, now hold on. Just before you get to work, I'm gonna let you know I'm fat, sick, lack of energy, always upset, and addicted to short-term solutions like alcohol, video games, or whatnot that only make matters worse. You know, uh, But we'll get there because improving one's language is a very tough and advanced uh, wellness activity that, um, and that we'll get to, and don't worry. Um, but just understanding stress, um, you know, there's amazing articles out there, like Web WebMD has an amazing article on the symptoms of stress that pretty much covers everything that we dislike with our world. Um, like Western practices and doctors, they have to start getting better about dealing with stress themselves because if they only treat the patient when more and more patients have been noticing high amounts of stress, even when they're just sitting in the hospital relaxing, it's it, it's shutting down their their immune system, their healing system. And as whenever you send someone for surgery or they're in the hospital for any reason, you're going to need 
their bodies helping in the fight as much as possible. Um, and we as a society simply have to get better at recognizing stress. Uh, like I like the movie The Matrix with um, Neo, where at the end he sees all the coding and stuff and he's able to see the true meaning behind the universe. I say we have to do the same thing with stress itself. And when someone is being aggressive, either on the road, at the workplace, or in politics, or in their family, we have to be willing to see the stress behind it, the and that the intention that it's clouding. Um, so when you see disease, anger, um, bigotry, even racism, uh, injustice, the 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 person that's doing it is going to be feeling a um, high level of stress. The, the heavier the reaction within you, just watching them do what they do, the higher the stress has to be within them to cause that within you, if that makes sense. Like we have to be willing to see the matrix, the coding behind the things that we dislike within ourselves and others and say, hey, um, like for example, if you just started a new wellness routine, uh, right now during the pandemic in your home with that squats and jogging in place, like it, that's definitely a tough environment to figure out. But when you begin a new routine and you fall off of it, you don't have to blame yourself and beat yourself up. You know, it's stress is fault. When you make a mistake, you don't have to blame yourself, blame stress. When uh, you get sick, don't call yourself a weakling or whatever, blame stress. See, it's not our fault. And um, I was on Business Talk Radio uh, and I was talking with Jill Mc, uh, uh, McLeany, uh for about half an hour in stress itself. And she's like, you know, thank you very much. That's really helpful. And then she talked for half an hour with um, uh, a person who's like a child consultant. And Jill was asking the consultant, like, hey, my son is, he just signed up for soccer lessons, but he wants to quit already. And I don't want him to learn that it's okay to quit. Should I make him stay? It's okay that I want to make him stay? Or should I let him quit? And she's like, no, it's good to teach him, like, commitment. And, like, and I just thought it was funny because there wasn't consideration yet at that time of... Is that kid facing a bully? Is it too advanced for him? What of that soccer class is giving that kid stress? And just like how we as adults are having to now learn more about stress ourselves and how to overcome it, unfortunately, we have to teach our kids the same. Because their job as a kid is to study, to learn, to um, prepare for a life of responsibility. And also the job of a kid is to learn when their parents want entertainment and what their parent, when their parents need silent, which is also the job of a kid. Um, but if we ignore the stress that they're facing, we have to teach our kids how to recognize stress itself. Like any, as a society, as people, we just simply just have to get better now that we know this. No matter what our goal is, like uh, battle planning is fun. And... Uh, on the left side of the paper, write down what the goal is. Next to that, we should write down um, how unsolved, like what stress it causes us. 
And then what we can do about that stress. Often the best thing to do, to do about something that stresses you is to do something about it. But more often not, than not, we have to be able to recognize when we are in a stressed frame of mind that will lead our good intentions into cautionary tales. We have to recognize I'm too worked up. I'm not going to progress on study right now. I need to stand up, stretch, go for a walk, do something. Or you're, um, you're trying to reconnect with your loved one. You're trying to regain ground, but you feel that both you and they are stressed. Before you go after that goal, you have to first be able to say, hey, we're both stressed right now. This is not the best time to have a conversation. Like the whole thing of, no, we're going to talk about this right now is the number one thing that ends relationships because that's never the best time to talk because none of you are going to be able to think. You're each going to be laser focused on your own history, memories, beliefs, phobias, and fears and not able at all to see the other side. And if this can destroy relationships, it very well has and is destroying our politics at large. Um, which I find fascinating and I find inspiring because it means that if we as individuals can finally learn to understand, deal, and overcome stress itself, then there is no goal or dream that is impossible. Um, and we'll get into uh, the unchaining part soon in the future in the following episode. Um, but just understanding now that... Um, our entire lives, like as I opened with, with the expert from the book, we've been deciding what's possible, how much peace around the world is possible, how much health is possible from behind the glass door of stress. And yes, once we, as we deal with stress, and even if let's just say we magically overcome in a day, that's still not going to solve all of our problems. It's not going to heal all of our relationships. It's not going to immediately overcome all of our diseases, political divides, and so on. But it will, for the first time, make it possible. So going forward in this podcast, I want you to realize that maybe, just maybe, Things that you may have shelved as, as impossible are more possible than you think. Um, we have to understand, and then in closing, we have to understand that when we're trying to achieve a goal, uh, and let's just take study for example, that unless that there's one universe, let's say where we, we don't care about the test. It's not stressing us out. Um, in that universe, we're going to be able to study and progress. But in the other universe, the more un normal universe that we're used to, when we are worried about that test, when we're telling ourselves, I need to study better, I need to be studying faster, I need to, you know, that kind of frame of mind, you're not gonna get as much study done. It's ironic that the only way to progress towards a goal is to not be consumed by it, to let it go, almost like a kuna matata. And thus, as human beings, we find ourselves in this tough balancing act of learning how to care just enough that we can get our butts off the couch, but not so much that we become frozen and unable to do anything. And that is the path 
that we will be wanting to walk through this podcast as individuals and as a society, because that's the path where a true heaven on earth society is possible. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Let's work on first, um, you know, calming down, losing some weight, some more of the like easier targets. But I promise you, nothing is impossible anymore.